Yeah, just start slamming stuff. What? It's fine. Hello. Hi, and welcome to Murder, She Read, the true crime podcast where we read books, give each other dirty looks, and drink copious amounts of wine. I am sitting across from Victoria Campbell. And I am across from the ever-lovely Amanda Fall. How are you today, Victoria? I am good. How are you? Fine. Fine. You know Uh, me. What's new? Oh, in fun true crime news, someone tried to burn down the liquor store down the street from me. The one that has our cheap weights? Yes, exactly. What? Apparently, the building, like, the lease is up for the owner, and the owner can't afford to renew it, so instead of just, like, going on her merry way, she hired someone for $150,000 to burn down the building. Guess who that person was? Wait, wait, wait. How does the owner have $150,000 if she can't afford the lease? Probably because we've been drinking all of the cheap whites. We've bought them all. We've only given them probably $200, <laughs> and that's at least 75 wines. That's true. That's true. <laughs> They're very cheap whites. Um, I don't know, but apparently the insurance payout would have been like $1.6 or something. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm going to guess she hired a cop. It was an FBI agent. She you know, was like, it always. Come, come here, come here. <laughs> <laughs> it always is. Do not find someone on the internet yeah, to I, burn down anything. I don't even know where you go. Is there a website for that? Is that the dark web? The dark web, maybe. I don't know. I listened to a whole, like, four-part series on it. I did, too. Case file? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. one. Everyone yeah. go listen to that. It's great. It was really They're good. much better than us. Yeah. I mean, most are. It's fine. <laughs> anyway. They have a script and a plan. I don't fucking understand. How dare you? Well, I uh, live to fight another day despite somebody trying to burn my neighborhood down. My neighbor is light. It's close-ish. It's going to take the whole block? You don't know how much arson that FBI agent could have gotten up to. <laughs> what true. if he was pissed? He is a professional. Uh, oh, I'm going to take my sweater off. <laughs> Should we cut that or keep that in? Okay, keep it. <laughs> Great. How... Um, All right, well... Speaking of heat and arson... Good transition. Snap yourself away. um, The book that I read this week is called Love and Death in the Sunshine State by Cutter Wood. Not a real name? I think it's his real name. Real name. Yeah. All right. Cool, Cutter. Um, So, we've got another Florida tale, if you couldn't tell by the Sunshine State title, um, of shockingly murder. And this what? One, <laughs> this is a is that what we do here? No, this is a sewing podcast. Oh. Um, this one takes place on Anna Maria Island. I've never been there, have you? I've not, but I found some information about where it is because oh. I wasn't sure. All I know is it's off of Tampa. You got anything else? Yeah, so it's um it's south of Tampa and it is a seven mile stretch that mm-hmm. includes the island itself and then there's like a long tail off of it that is Holmes Beach and Another one that starts with the B. Beach Beach. Beach Beach. <laughs> That's the one. The yeah. famous Beach Beach. Is there a ferry or is there a bridge or how do you get there? There's a bunch of bridges. Oh, okay. And it is, it's got like a really small local community as most Florida islands do, okay. but its main source of economy is tourism, obviously. Well, Alex Hales went there once. Oh. Yeah, some little girls trip. Hello, Alex Hales. Um... All right, so as I said, the author here is Cutter Wood, and he does a little bit of intruding into this narrative, not quite in the ways that we have read with other authors, uh, but he's definitely present in here. So he is a nonfiction writer. Um, He went to the Iowa Writing Workshop, which is the fanciest of the MFA programs. That's where Lena Dunham went on Girls, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I know it. She got in there real easy. Um, And he found himself obsessed with the story almost by happenstance. He was visiting family 
on Anna Maria Island, and they didn't have room for him, so he stayed at a hotel there. I read that. Yeah, it was a little bit like a Mary in the Inn situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and later, his mother sent him newspaper clippings about the very hotel burning down and the death of the proprietor, and he gets really obsessed with the case, and he goes back to Florida to unpack the mystery. Okay. I hope you have something about the burning, because I could not find a single article... No? I don't have much about it. Um, as we continue to talk about the book, I'll give you my thoughts on the general like layout and organization of it, which is really confusing. Um, but no, I don't have that much information about the actual burning. All right, great. Me neither. Um, Actually, I have none, so. Well, it happened. <laughs> That's all we need to know. Um, so we go back to November 6, 2008, when a man driving a white convertible with a broken taillight is stopped by the cops. And instead of actually stopping and handing over his info, he takes off on foot and is very quickly apprehended by the cops, um, as he's not the most gainly of men. And they determine that the car belongs to a resident of Anna Maria Island, and they head over to the address listed on her insurance to see what the deal is with the car, since the man who was pulled over is simply saying that it was a loan from some old woman he met. Uh Uh-huh. So, upon getting to the island, a man named Thomas Bueller opens the door, and the car in question belongs to his wife, although the two are very estranged. Um, he tells the cops that she's dead because she would die before allowing someone else to drive her car, which looks not great. Alarming. <laughs> yeah. Not suspicious at all. And he points the cops to where his estranged wife, Sabine, uh, spends most of her time, which is at her boyfriend's house on Magnolia Avenue. And upon arriving at the house on Magnolia Avenue, the cops encounter the boyfriend. Uh, The boyfriend says the two had had a fight and he hadn't seen her in two days. And an official missing persons report is put out on Sabine. So things are not looking great. Uh, The police process a stolen car, which they've assumed is stolen at this point, not Mm -hmm. on loan, um, and find blood and remove sections of carpet, but no other signs of the missing There's a whole removed section of the seat as well. Oh. There's like a big cutout. That's not great. No. No, looks bad. There's blood all over it as well. Great. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously three suspects surfaced. The first one being the man who the cops arrested. Right. The second one being the husband. Right. And the third is Tom... Boyfriend. No, Tom's the Tom's husband. Tom's husband. Bill is the boyfriend. Bill is the Sorry. boyfriend. We had a lot of like very. And boring. Tom is the one that stands to benefit from this, yeah, right? Absolutely. So like they've got life insurance policies out on each other still. Mm-hmm. They have this shared business. They own a motel, and they still have shared property. That house is still in both of their names. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you're right. He looks like he stands the most to benefit from her death. Um, we take a step back and we learn a little bit more about Sabine, who was born in 1960 in West Germany. Uh, her father was a Luftwaffe lieutenant during World War II. I'm sorry, he was a what? Luft, Luftwaffe. When does that mean? You know, it's the Nazi pilots. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, no. Right? I don't know. Did you make that up? Get your Google. I can't. I All think right. we're going to claim it's right and move on. I think I'm right. Um, and after the war, he worked as a tax consultant, whatever that is. That's a weird transition. Yes. <laughs> Just gonna say it. I don't know that I would want him to consult me on my taxes. Nothing. I want him to consult nothing. (laughs) Um, Her parents ultimately get divorced, and Sabine would live with her mother and two older brothers. She ended up working as a travel agent, and upon taking a vacation to Anna Maria Island, she knew that she wanted to live there for the rest of her life. She just fell completely in love. With seven miles of land? Yes. Great. (laughs) And on her second... A visit to the island, she found a job as a manager at a hotel and left Germany in her rear view. 
Is that when she meets Tom? Um, yeah, she meets Tom. She, like, digs her feet into Florida's sandy life. She adopts a parrot. Cute. She drinks a lot of wine on the beach. I know that life. Also cute. Um, and that's when she meets her would-be husband, Tom, through a mutual friend. And they wed pretty quickly, and she gets full U.S. citizenship, and that it's conjectured by a lot of people that she may have married him simply for the citizenship, but regardless, the two bought a hotel together and threw themselves into the business. I mean, for all accounts, Tom is, like, the nicest guy. I think, based on everything that I read, again, always conjecturing. It's what I do. Make assumptions. Have no proof. It sounds like they really were in love to begin with, and then just became a relationship out of convenience at the end. Okay, interesting. It's kind of what all of her friends have said. I don't have any really good math on how long they're together for before she meets the new beau. Do you know what time or what year about they got married? I don't. Okay, I don't either. Um, I think that they are married roughly 10 years oh wow okay for some reason i thought it was infinitely shorter than that no i know it was at least 10 years they at some point in that marriage purchase this haley's motel Mm -hmm. right um it's operated by the two of them and they do separate in the spring of 2008 they continue to be business partners until her disappearance so before they separate they have this handyman named bill yes do you want to take it or can I keep going? You can have it if you want it. It's, okay. It's pretty good. This is my understanding of it. And obviously, let me know where I'm wrong because I probably am. Okay, so they have this handyman named Bill. Bill is an employee. They love him. He gets uh, sent to jail. Mm-hmm. For what? what did, oh, I was going to ask you, what does he do? Arson. Just a light arson. Of his... Uh, girlfriend's Ex-girlfriend's house. house. Yeah. Yeah, where she and a whole other bunch of people are asleep. Yep. Tries to... Burn them all down. Mm-hmm. Uh, immediately caught. So Bill and... Not Bill, sorry. Tom and Sabine are like, oh, we really like Bill. So they're sending him care packages. Sabine's going to visit. And by spring, her relationship with Tom is over. Right. By June, right? Mm. Yeah. When he yes, by June jail. of 2008, yeah. they have an official relationship. I don't even know if he's out of jail. She's, they're like having conjugal visits. Yes. Whole situation. I, so I have a little bit of difference. Um, so Bill, William Cumber, um, the soon to be boyfriend, didn't work for her ever. He worked for Tom. So Tom knows him. And when Sabine came into the business with Tom, Bill was sending letters asking Tom for money for necessities, going back to what a nice guy the Tom was. Oh, there was an interview with Tom where he said he had only met Bill three days prior to him being arrested. Oh, Cutter. That's curious. Um, so, the, well, the way that I have it in the book is that um, he sends this letter. Sabine is dealing with, like, the day-to-day mail. Yeah, it sounds like she's the one that actually operates the motel. Yeah. So and he just kind of, bigger picture, stays back. Yeah. And so she gets this letter. She answers it. They start a correspondence. Then she starts going to see him at the prison. Then she's taking him home with her every weekend because he had, like, fun work release. Uh-huh. And fucking him at the hotel. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and so then when he's released in June in 2008, Sabine had already rented an apartment on the island for them to live in together. Yeah. So there's a little bit of gray area about, like, who met who first, yeah. I guess. That's fine. So that's what I have about the formation of their relationship. 
Do you have any reactions of how her friends felt about him or anything? Her friends did not like him. No, he did not. Well, because he was an arsonist who tried to murder his ex-girlfriend. I can't imagine if that's who you started dating. I would be like, yeah, second chances are fine. I heard he was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he actually, he's not a bad looking guy. I see a single pair. I mean, he's not attractive, but like, <laughs> I just expected an arsonist in Florida to be like troll doll One, status. Yeah. yeah. And there's a photo of him and I'll put this on the Instagram. It's like him and her and an Obama rally and oh. they've got like a cutout of Obama. Yeah. They were both like huge. They're huge Democrats oh. and like big supporters of Obama, which becomes like a pretty big tell later on as to like how people knew she was missing. I'm excited about that. I don't have anything. Okay, cool. About okay, so let's keep going. Um, so I have us back in the present now. Um, the cops are going to search her old abode with Tom and the apartment that she has with the boyfriend, Bill. Right. But first, when they search that car, they find fingerprints all over it. Oh. So there's fingerprints on the back, the head seat of the driver's side. Okay. There's fingerprints inside the driver's side and fingerprints outside the driver's side. Okay. They are all bills. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So they're searching, they're doing whatever. Um, police continue to hold Robert Corona, who was the man whom they found driving the car in the first place, mm-hmm. on charges for stealing the car, but he stuck to his story of being loaned the vehicle until he finally cracks and admits that he'd just been looking for loose change in cars along 14th Street, and came across the white convertible, doors open, and keys in the ignition, and he took it for a joyride. It was in the parking lot of the Gator Lounge. Yeah, isn't there a Gator Lounge in St. Augustine? It's called the Giggling Gator. Oh, I'm sorry. We've been there, yeah. but different, I guess. I, I imagine up. they're basically the same bar. I've closed up bar down more than Yeah, so the car was left in the parking lot of the Gator Lounge. The bartender remembers seeing it the night of November 5th. Okay. Um, so Cutter believes Robert Corona's story, as do the cops, and he's off the subse- subject list, excuse me. So the boyfriend, Bill Cumber, of the fingerprints is not, obviously... And suspiciously, after Sabine's disappearance, Bill had hauled ass out of town and he was pulled over for driving with expired tags and no license in another part of Florida. Really? While he was being, uh, you know, like talked to by the police, either when he was pulled over at the actual traffic stop or maybe later at the jail, it's not particularly clear. Um, He casually mentioned that he was being framed for murder back on Anna Maria Island. Oh. And they were like... And then they looked him up and put him in jail because he had violated his parole from that pesky arson charge. Okay. Well, when he... I'm assuming this is back at the police station. He's being interviewed. And so it's the night of the 5th, I want to say, at like 5 o'clock in the morning, Sabine's car is ticketed on Magnolia Street. Mm -hmm. Bill drops to police in the interview that he knows that her car was ticketed at 5 o'clock in the morning. This is not information that they've released. So no one should know that. He's such a dummy. Yeah, he's a big fucking idiot. Um, He does another thing. I can't remember what it was. We'll get to it, I'm sure. I'll find it. Oh, no, he also admits in this interview, or maybe a later interview... That he knows the back seat has been cut out of the car. Yeah, he shouldn't know that unless he, he cut the back seat out. One hundred percent should not have any knowledge of that. So Bill's not a fucking smart guy, clearly. Yeah. And he's about to prove just how uh, not smart he is. So the rest of this book that like we get up to this point, we have like basic background, a lot of like. Do we know what they found at the house? Like what evidence? I don't know. So there was 
Sabine's blood on the couch, both yes. in the armrest and on the cushion. And then Bill's blood was in front of the couch. Okay. So they have DNA from both of them. And it was very obvious, like, spick and span clean. Yeah. And Bill admits that he, he said he likes to keep a clean house. So he bleached everything. The arsonist. The arsonist bleached the entire house, mm-hmm. just suspiciously after she left. He also had said, and I have this in here somewhere, that um, of course her blood was all over the house. She loved cut fruit with knives. And also, like, often mistook her fingers for fruit. Do you cut fruit with spoons sometimes? Mostly my teeth. <laughs> you saw me with the snappies. Get him, get him. Um, okay, so the part in this book now departs into this thing where Cutter is, like, obsessed with the idea of talking to Bill. Oh. He, he wants to know. So he writes to him. He, Bill's sitting in jail. He's Bill's got nothing better to do. Shit. So Bill replies through a series of letters, and they strike up this correspondence, which is then what really unfolds in this book. Okay. I'm very interested. Um, so Cutter goes to see him in prison. We're not just good enough with letters. Is he also doing a conjugal visit or different? <laughs> he didn't mention that they were... <laughs> Getting we should down. strike this from the back. <laughs> but I don't know. We're going to get in trouble. <laughs> um, so the two meet, and Cutter gets a pretty basic sketch of Bill's life. He was born in Ohio. His father was a mechanic. Uh, his parents divorced due to his mother's wandering eye. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was in foster care and juvenile detention and eventually in prison in Ohio from when he was 18 to 26. For, like, None of that's good. A series of, like... Rapes and assaults and just all around being a great guy. So this is not a second chance. This is like a 12th. Yeah. Um, no I, one deserves a 12th chance. No. I'm going to throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so he tells Cutter that he and Sabine really loved each other, that they took bike rides, went to dinner, did Florida things. Like, yeah, know. he says a lot of bullshit about um, their relationship. He says he quit smoking for her, uh, that they planned to go to Germany together. And, um, he can't leave the fucking state. Yeah, he's a felon. Um, <laughs> he's not going to Germany. <laughs> so, um, before I get into the story of what Bill claims happens uh, the night of Sabine's disappearance, I would like to have Amanda read us an excerpt from a letter that uh, Bill sends back to Cutter. Great. Um, so... Here we go. This is direct. All of the punctuation is correct. All right. Fine. Hold my wine. Drink your wine? Hold, no, hold it. Not with your mouth. Oops. Oh, God. Here we go. Cutter, what I'm about to say, I don't want you to take the wrong way. But before I do, I want you to know that I'm very thankful for all your help and support. And I'm not ever going to look a gift horse in the mouth. But I thought I sent you list of authors and titles of their books that I was interested in reading. That's a very long sentence. Mm -hmm. Did you not ask me to provide it so you could send what interested me? I do like Stephen King, but I had hopes of continuing the Stephanie Meyer series. Good God. (laughs) When I got the SK book last night, I had already been reading Stephanie Meters? Meters. Stephanie Meters' Mm -hmm. book, New Moon. The next is Eclipse. Yeah, he's like very into the Twilight Saga. And that's what he really wants from Cutter, and Cutter is not giving it to him, and he's pissed. This is like a common refrain throughout their correspondence. Bill is in his 40s. Yeah. yeah so Sabine, when they first started dating, Sabine was 49, he was 39. So at this point, he <laughs> is in his 40s reading young adult vampire porn. Vampire werewolf human porn, yeah. I've not read it. I have no desire. I don't need to know. 
Have you read them all? No, I read the first one. Okay, that's fine. We can still be friends. I don't know that we should. A lot of questions about those books. But okay. anyway, that's for Great. a different podcast. So basically, that's what their correspondence looks like. It's not. Seems like he's getting a lot of information out of it. <laughs> yeah, Relevant really details. Yeah. Um, I don't like Stephen King. I only like vampires. <laughs> I'm Team Edward. Um, so in addition to his uh, penchant for uh, YA literature, he also tells Cutter that on the night in question, the night that Stephanie went missing, Bill claims that they were watching TV. He went outside to sneak a, sneak a cigarette, although as I said, he had already told Cutter that he quit smoking for her. Uh-huh. He's like, she won't notice, she's gonna notice. Um, and upon his return, he and Sabine had a fight about the smoking, because um, he smells like a fucking cigarette. Right, and that's something that holds true through his confession, Mm -hmm. which does come years and years later. Right. Um, And so he says that she takes off, she's pissed in her car, and he never saw her again. Um, Cutter gets his information, then he goes back to Iowa, because he's got to get in that Iowa writer's workshop still. Um, He is back to grad school life, he's back to his girlfriend, he's back to teaching, and the thoughts of the case kind of get lost in the semester. Um, but then Bill sends him a letter telling him the cops are about to charge him with murder and there's blood, as Amanda mentioned, in their shared apartment. Mm-hmm. And this is when Bill claims it's obviously from Sabine just finger peeling all over. Oh, I went comfortable. <laughs> and that he's obviously an innocent angel. Um, in the end of his letter, he asks Cutter again to send him some books by Stephanie Meyer. Uh, good stuff, he notes. And he wants the next book in the series. All right. Well, that's all things according to Bill. Yes. According to Stephanie's friends, she was in the process of leaving Bill. Mm. Mm. Um, so friends say Sabine was about to leave Bill by November, which is where we're at. Um, Tom told investigators that Sabine still had a room in their home where she had been slowly bringing all of her belongings back for the last two weeks. Is she going goodbye? Yeah. Um, and he said the day that she disappeared, they had spoken that morning about her officially moving back in. Okay. So they weren't entirely estranged. Right. Like, they're still friendly. Well, yeah, and they still have the business. Yeah, exactly. So later that day, before she disappears... They're seen, the couple, Bill and Sabine, are seen arguing at a dentist office. Okay. When this is brought up in questioning, he, there's a whole big thing, and I don't know if it came up beforehand, but it does come up in the confession video that I listened to too much of, but he, like, he starts off by saying, well, we were very financially supportive of each other, and then the cops are like, okay, but you didn't have any money. I was going to say, does Bill have a job? No. Okay. (laughs) And he's like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she buys most things, but we're supportive of each other financially. I support myself on her money. Uh Uh-huh. That's basically what he says, because they ask him, well, who pays for the rent? And he goes, well, I mean, she's paid for uh, two months, I think. And they're like, well, that's the long that you've lived there. (laughs) She's gone now. She can't keep paying for it. And he's like, yeah, I know, but I was going to start. And then they bring up the dentist thing, and he's like, well... I don't know if she paid for it or she had gotten me a like health credit card situation, but it was also in her name. So I don't know if that paid for it or if she paid for it, but if that paid for it, then I paid for it. No, no, that's not how that not works. Not how it works. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Just because it's for you doesn't mean you paid it. That means I paid for college. <laughs> <laughs> I love this logic. Um, 
It just becomes, it's, it's very obvious to everyone that he can't keep his story straight. He right. can't figure out what he means and that she was floating him entirely. Yeah. That's all I've got. Okay. Um, I will dive back into Cutter's narrative here. Oh, wait, sorry. Can I interject one more thing? Please. I want to bring back the Obama thing. Yeah, please don't so, bring back Barack. <laughs> please literally bring back Barack. Can't say that strong enough. Um, so she was such a staunch reporter of Obama, as apparently was he, I'm assuming. Supporter? supporter? What did I say? Reporter. So she was a supporter of um, Obama. They went to rallies together. She had invited a bunch of people over to this election night party. Oh, so when she doesn't show, they're like, what something's the wrong. Yeah. Like, there's no reason she wouldn't be here. This is a monumental situation. Right. She wouldn't just miss it. Yeah. So that's when her friends start to notice. Okay. And then, it, again, it's not until, yeah, Tom finds out that her car's gone, that okay. he's like, fuck. She's, she did. Yeah. Real did. Um, all right, so let's go back to Cutter and his uh, musings. He's going to go back to Florida because... He, he legally has to. <laughs> well, oh, no, sorry. This is Cutter, not Bill. <laughs> Um, so he receives a phone call from Bill while he's at the end of the semester in Iowa, um, and he gets a flurry of erratic letters and blah, blah, blah. We've got, um, the book conversation going on. Vampire, vampire, vampire. Vampire sex, vampire sex. Um, so eventually he gets a call cutter, um, from the police on Anna Maria Island asking about his relationship with Bill. And, yeah, it's a questionable one. Yeah, and Cutter explains the situation, and the officer reveals that they're pretty certain, actually certain, that Bill did, in fact, kill Sabine on they the had night been... that she disappeared. Okay, this is what I couldn't figure out. Were they holding Bill this entire time? I think so, because he'd violated his parole. Okay, so they did have reason. Yeah, um, and that he had buried her body on the beach. So, at the end of the semester, Cutter goes back to Florida to meet with Detective Gisborne, and he's haunted by dreams of Sabine at this point. Um, he also, I will say he's like a very lovely writer. Um, there's a lot of like, uh, we get to see Sabine like alive, um, and very much on the page. He does do this thing that happened like literally out of nowhere where he like wrote this fictionalized version of what happened between them that night, but like obviously he was not there. So I was like, where am I? I will say... No judgment here, because I am sitting across from someone with an MFA as well, and I don't want to get punched. I did read some of the reviews of this book, just because it stood out that not all of them were great. So right. I was like, I want to know what I need to bring to the table here. Um, and while it does praise that he's got a great story and a lot of factual information, most of them did say, we get it, you have an MFA. Yeah, it did, I mean, I because I, I do have an MFA, and I appreciate this sort of writing. Like, it was it was beautiful. Like, on a sentence level, it's yes. beautiful. Um, and you would not deny it. But it definitely, like, he does some stuff, like, the chronology is all over the place. It was really hard to take notes on this because it, like, wasn't, there's nothing about the fire. I don't know what the fuck happened. I don't know all. either. It's not <laughs> the news either, so don't worry. Cutter's not the only one missing it. Um, but the chronology was bonkers. And then, it, as I said, it devolved... For many pages, for, like, a, a large chunk of the book, perhaps, like, three chapters, and they're having this, like, 
imagined (laughs) situation of what happened between them. So maybe that's what people have a problem with. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with... Well, and he's also trying to draw parallels, and I left all of this out, but with his relationship with his girlfriend, Erin, and, like, them sort of falling apart, but then coming back together, and, like, just the ups and downs of general Rome. He doesn't kill her. Don't look at me like that. (laughs) They're married. They have a baby. I looked at his Instagram. (laughs) Um, You're admitting too much. (laughs) But, um, so he's trying to, like, braid it, like a braided narrative situation. Right. MFA special. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe Um, that part's not necessary. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, that's what we've talked about with other books. Like, if you're writing in the true crime genre. Leave yourself out of it. Yeah, so if it's a memoir. Unless you were there. Yes, sure. Or if it's, like, a memoir with a crime slant, fine. But sell it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because we found this book at Barnes & Noble. Which one are you talking about? This book. Oh, the, I'm book. sorry. I'm like, <laughs> where are we going? Yes, we did find this one. And it, um, it very much. Don't talk into your wine glass, Victoria. Okay. Um, it was, it was in the true crime section. It was like advertised as a true crime book first and foremost. Right. Right. Which it sounds like it, mm, mostly was. Yeah, I think so. Outside of this weird diversion. Anyway, outside of my weird diversion. <laughs> no, let's keep diversion off of diversion. Where else can we go from Just here? Just into a black fucking hole. Great. Um, so, uh, at the police station, Detective Gisborne suggests that Cutter go meet with Bill one more time and tell Bill that he's writing a fictional book about the murder and that he would just love to hear where Bill would would have put the body if he had done it. Is this an OJ situation? <laughs> Is this a if I did it? Um, no, he never does it. Damn it. I know. Um, so Cutter's like, I guess, and he goes to the prison where Bill is being held, and the two have a conversation that ranges from Bill's abuse charges filed by his ex-wife, or ex-girlfriend, excuse me, whose house he tried to burn down. Yeah. Um, up to his artwork, he likes to paint dolphins and sunsets, Amanda. Oh, God. Um, to his love of the Game of Thrones series. Great. relevant. Um, and Cutter doesn't get a lot of information out of him. Upon his departure, Bill asks Cutter to get him the next Game of Thrones book, and Cutter's like, uh-uh, he's not. George R. R. Martin isn't done writing them. He's still allegedly has two more books to finish at this point. Um, and Bill, like, internalizes this information um, and then says... And then Cutter Will says... Will you just write those for me? <laughs> Cutter says that um, it's rumored that George R. R. Martin doesn't know how to end the series, and Bill says, that's because he doesn't know how to kill people. Oh, that's creepy, oh, Bill. He just <laughs> skips out of that person. Hello, hello, <laughs> goodbye. Um, so, yeah, so that is the last... Actually, that's the second to last time the Cutter will see Bill. What do you got? I've got... Well, first I've got that they do four digs throughout on the, the years yeah. on the beach. And they don't find anything. They find absolutely nothing. They find her purse. Well, a neighbor, like a couple blocks away, finds her purse. So they dig there. They dig in a couple other places that they think might be obvious, and they find nothing. So they're trying to create this case where, like, they've got all of the circumstantial evidence. They've got the fact that Bill knows information he fucking shouldn't. Right. They've got that Bill's a big fucking creep. Why? And that they have no body. No. So need one. I mean, you don't need one, but it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. Um, but they do end up charging him. Right. They're going to bring him to trial. He's going to face life in prison at this point. Do you have anything before the confession? A little bit. 
they're gonna, as you said, they're gonna charge him, and Cutter is called again by the police. He's back in Iowa at this point. That he's gonna have to like testify about his relationship with Bill. And uh, don't put yourself in a situation where you're gonna have to testify he about threw your there. He said, "I have a master's thesis to finish, ma'am. I will put myself in this situation." What role do you want me to play? <laughs> I can have it all. Um, actually, that's all I have. So <laughs> we stopped for that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so, like I said, all right. It is now October fifteenth, twenty fifteen. Well, that's seven years. It is seven years after her disappearance, and just two weeks before Bill was finally going to be tried for her murder, he strikes up a deal for 20 years instead, instead of facing the life in prison. That's all he got? Yeah, 20 years. He'll be out in 10. He'll be Florida dead, but that's fine. It'll be 2029. He'll be out in 10 years. Yeah, it's terrifying. You can listen to the confession. I'm not interested. It's 40 minutes long. No, thank you. So this is the story that Bill says. He's, I have some direct quotes to start it off. I'm really not a violent person when I drink. I'm kind of smooth and relaxed. Okay. (laughs) It was said that I get kind of antsy or stuff like that when I'm drinking. No one said antsy. He he did. (laughs) Just specifically him. So his story that he starts off telling is the same one that we've heard originally. He says it's election night. He's watching in the living room, drinking some beers. She's watching in another room, drinking some wine. This sounds like the dissolution of a relationship, if I've ever heard Does one. it not? Yeah. Um, again, this is all his story. Like, no, it probably did not happen like this at all. Yeah. He says that he snuck out to have a cigarette. Mm-hmm. He comes back in, and she is so mad that he's smoking. I read that she was sniffing his fingers. I don't think you have to smell his fingers. <laughs> but he... So his story is, yeah, that she is... Like, she loses her shit. She goes on this rampage. She's so mad. She's screaming at him. She's putting on her shoes. She's saying she's done. She's too stressed out. This relationship is too much. But he will only claim that it's over cigarettes. Uh Uh-huh. Nothing else? Too stressed out over your smoking. Can't handle it. (laughs) So she's about to walk out, and he is pissed. So he hits her twice over the head with his fists. And he says, that's it. That's all that he does. That seems unlikely. Very. I will hit you twice over the head with my fist right now. Uh Uh-huh. I bet you're not going to die. You're going to be mad at me. I mean, in her, to not go into too much detail, because that's not really our story, um, but she's got a lot more damage to her body than that. She's got broken ribs. She's got bruising. It's very bad. Okay. It wasn't just two hits over the head. And he, they keep prodding him to, what did you hit her with? And he will say nothing other than his fist. Okay. It's a lot of damage. Um, He then admits to, she apparently blacks out at this point and he strangles her to death. Right. Oh, another direct quote. After he's told this story... It's a disgusting situation, man. That's what he said? Like, we fucking know. Thank you. <laughs> We're aware. Bill. We're glad you know. Yeah, he doesn't know. He gets... He's just a little antsy. Yeah, he's just a little antsy. So he says that he he can't go to jail again, is what pops into his head. So that's when he gets the idea. Okay. So he then divulges exactly what happened, how he left her car in the parking lot of the Gator Lounge with the keys in it, hoping that it would get stolen. Yes, it did. It did. But he was hoping that that would not make him look guilty, that that would make someone else look guilty. He's such a fucking dummy. I don't think he gets how DNA works. No, no, no. He's looking at everything in the car. But he's got 
from the night of the, um, or from the couple of days later that he was picked up, there's like a big puncture wound on his palm. Right. That he says, I don't know what he says it was from. He does. He never has an explanation for it. Um, but it's like clearly from using a shovel on the yeah, beach. Yeah, and the detective even said that it would like turn into this like massive callus. Ugh. And he was just like, I don't know what happened. So then they start talking about money, and the the cops are pressing him for a reason. Like right. this was clearly not all of your cigarettes. It was not like the camel that broke the camel's bag. Oh wow! Have you been thinking about that one for a minute? Yeah, I was gonna say it before, and then I forgot. The <laughs> I'm really proud of you. I too have an MFA cutter. <laughs> I was waiting for this to happen. <laughs> I knew it would. So he then is telling this story that I talked about earlier about this financial situation that they had that they were mutually supportive of each other and the cops are like nah bro you didn't have a job and he's like yeah well it might have been over money <laughs> oh he says it finally. yeah he finally at the end of it admits that it wasn't just about him smoking um but he says that the biggest contention in the relationship i think he knew that she was leaving him right so she said or he says that it was because tom was still in their lives it was still very much a part of their decision-making slash her decision-making. There was no there, yeah, he I imagine. Yeah, decisions to make. Exactly. Um, he says that... Uh, he says that Tom was controlling and that he wasn't digging that. Ultimately, he was angry because she was siding with him. So what I think... More conjecture. Do it, do it, do it. Um, what I think probably happened is that she confronted him that night that she was leaving. Right. And that... He was like, where the fuck are you going to go? And he was like, well, I've been moving all my shit into Tom's house. <laughs> so I mean, you notice things have been disappearing and he probably fucking lost it. So, yeah, he was sentenced. He got his 20 fucking years. Yeah. And the other half uh, of which are gone. The other stipulation of his confession. And I guess that sentencing, because I had no idea about the actual. And here somewhere I was like, does he, will he get that death penalty? Nope. Um, but he... Part of his plea deal is that he has to take the cops to where her body was buried. Right, I, that's in my notes somewhere. Those aren't in order either. Don't worry, I wrote them cutter style. <laughs> Cut her up. Um. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> You're going to jail. Yeah. It's fine. Um, anyway, so <laughs> he has to take the police to where her uh, body is buried and he takes them to the beach and alarmingly he's buried her at um, a pavilion where they used to watch the sunset together a lot. Isn't it right near the hotel or near the motel? Oh, I don't know about that. It was either really close to the house or really close to the motel. It was surrounded by houses and this did not happen that late in the evening. It was maybe like 10 or 11 and they ask him, like, were you not concerned about seeing like people seeing you? And he was like, yeah, but I didn't really care. That is Florida. That's a valid point. Mm-hmm. Everyone's burying something out there. Um, yeah. So they finally exhume her body all of these years later. Um, Cutter will go to see Bill one last time before leaving Florida for good. I don't believe him. I'm sure he'll go back there someday. Um, And we don't get much about this interaction at all. Um, Simply the fact that when Cutter is leaving, Bill notes that he and Sabine probably wouldn't have worked out anyway. That's your wrap-up? Yeah. That was, uh, well, that wasn't the end of the book. We do, like, a lot of 
you can't see what she's doing, but she's making weird hand movements, and there's some body rolls. <laughs> it's like a lot of, um, like, pulling the lens back from this really close thing to this, okay. like, really far, like, love, dissimulation, you know. Um, He's MFAing it? <laughs> I see myself in this. Um, but so, yeah, the, the last thing that uh, Bill says to Cutter is that it wouldn't have worked out between them anyway, which feels like he's somehow, like, exercising himself of guilt or some bullshit. I don't know. But does Bill ever get his Stephanie Myers novels? Do you want to write to him? I'm sure you can. I don't want to send him any novels. Um, you know, I don't know. That was left out, and these are burning questions people want to know. I think it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what I got. Well, how do you feel about this book? Four for five, honestly. Okay. Yeah, it was, again, it was beautiful on a sentence level. I appreciated the writing in it. The chronology was bonkers, but, like, you can follow it if you're paying a small amount of attention. Which you should as you read, I yes. guess. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I didn't love, like, the braiding of his relationship within it, but, I mean, I, I understand the impetus to write it like that, um, and I understand the impetus to link those things, so relationships and relationships and relationships. So. Can we take an official stance on things that... If you're writing a true crime novel that has nothing to do with you... Don't jump in there. Don't put your body in it. Yeah, and if you are doing a... If you want to do this, it's fine. Like, it's great that he went down there I'm and, clearly fine with conjecture. Yes. I'm clearly <laughs> fine with your thoughts and opinions. You're fine with the Twilight Saga. But does your life have to be involved? Well, then you just build it differently, right? Like, then it's just a memoir, and that's fine. I guess. Yeah. All right. So yeah. That'll be our official stance. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> questionable <laughs> at best um so yeah amanda do you have anything else for us this week there was not a poisoner i know no lady killers i was listening to a different podcast this week that said and i never read this that often when um poisoning is at work the corpse will have a huge erection thank you for that you're welcome it wasn't in my book anyway should we leave it at that? Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> Is that the fun tidbit that we end on? Yeah, you're welcome. You're I don't welcome. think there's a better way to do it. So, uh, later days. <laughs> what? Later days? Goodbye. <laughs> um, I will be closing the book on... <laughs> Fine. Love and Death in the Sunshine State by Cutter Wood. Thank you. <laughs> This is one of our worst endings ever. You can take the erection thing out. No, I want to leave the <laughs> erection in. Oh, I want to take that out, though. Yeah, <laughs> um, all right, well, another week in the books. Okay, that was too much. Have you been playing Punderdome by yourself? It's <laughs> my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> You're just in this bed playing Punderdome alone? Yes. All right, guys, we got to end this before it gets too worse. Yeah, before one of us ends up in jail. Yeah. All right, bye.